Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I will be your host as always. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know of a few things of note. First, you may or may not be aware that I host another podcast called The Third Seat. The Third Seat is unrelated to the podcast you are listening to right now, but if you'd like to check it out, then I will put a link in the description of today's episode that you can use to listen to it. If you like this podcast, then I really think you will like The Third Seat as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Next, I want to let you know of a few ways you can support the podcast. First, be sure to tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Word of mouth is not only a great way to help support the show, but it's also zero cost. Secondly, if you enjoyed today's episode, then be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways of not only supporting the show, but it also gives me direct feedback from you regarding how you feel about the show overall. I greatly appreciate if you decide to take the time to support the show in any of these ways. Finally, if you'd like to follow me or the show on social media, then feel free to check out the description of today's episode. Here you will find all affiliated and mentioned links, as well as how you can support the show online. As always, I want to thank you for tuning into and supporting the show. It really means a lot to me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum. I will be your host as always. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation we are about to have. Uh, my guest today is someone who I met online, met through LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of people you can meet on LinkedIn. And uh, sometimes it can be interesting to kind of parse through the different personalities that you you see and the different people you meet. Um, and, and at times it can be difficult to make, uh, adequate connections on there. But, uh, the person I'm talking to today is someone who I've, I've gotten a chance to speak with them prior to this. And I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with them today, all about what they do, uh, our overall health and well being, and just everything in between. So Evan, thank you very much for joining me today. Hey, I'm grateful for you having me today. So thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So, uh, before we jump into everything, would you care to just share a little bit about yourself and and what you do and kind of how you got to where you are today, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, you know, I'm Evan Messman. I am the chief gratitude officer and founder of pro attitudes, which is a health wellness and mindset coaching business. What I do is I work with, um, business owners and leaders who on the ladder to success, they left their health behind. Mm-hmm. And what I've done is I've, I've, I've found a way to bring more energy and more joy to their life, living the, the what I call the B3 way, which we'll get into. It's become, be strong, be grateful. That's my method of coaching. And I just, I have a huge passion for helping people, love helping them get back to where they can live a life with more energy, more joy. I love it. That's awesome. And, and yeah, and something you kind of briefly touched on there for a second that really kind of drew me towards you specifically is, you know, um, there is a huge like online market for coaching and, and you know, uh, self-development and especially kind of like in the in the market of like CEOs and executives and founders. And a lot of times the like you said, the idea of of bettering yourself is is a is a great topic. But the it it typically revolves around a lot of times, at least in my experience, a lot of times like uh, building your business or you know uh, learning a new skill in your personal life. But a lot of times it seems like health, our overall health, is something that is briefly acknowledged, but it's never really taken very far, you know. And and to me that seems like it should be 
at least as important as everything else we do, because whether you're the executive of a company or you're at the bottom or wherever, we all have our own bodies and our own health. And that's an important thing, no matter where you are. And so I think it's just, I, I thought that was really interesting about you and kind of, and and what you do in your approach towards that. Um, how did you kind of get to this point to where you, you do this and, and you, you made this kind of what it is that you do and, and the, the establishment of pro attitudes. That's funny. You say, you know, how do how do people come to 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 be focused on and on their health at all right mm -hmm. because how many people out there do not make health a priority yeah until it must become a priority yeah you know you don't know it's important or it's it's priceless until you yeah. lose it yeah i really wasn't a healthy kid i was a actually i was a heavy kid my nickname was heavy heavy <laughs> I, I was very <laughs> I was very, yeah, you laugh. Okay. That's, that's, listen, no, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I, I empathize with that. I empathize yes. with that. Um, growing up, uh, well, not growing up, but for, for, for this is going to be a blast from the past for me, but in, my name is Daniel, obviously. Um, and in high school, I somehow acquired the nickname of big Dan. Uh, so I, I empathize with you, uh, in that. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, That was the start, but I also, I wasn't a healthy kid. Yeah. I mean, my parents told me my first year of life was in an oxygen tent. They had to stay up oh, wow. with me every night to to make sure that I was breathing. And it was some allergies. We were mm -hmm. building a house and while we were renting, it was all the mold. And yeah. soon as we moved into the new house, I got I got healthier, but yeah. I never really had a lot of um stamina or energy, made a muscle, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. I was always tired, I had hypoglycemia. Long story short, I had to look in the mirror and I had to decide what are you going to do about this? You know, diets didn't work to lose the weight. It didn't help what the doctors told me to do. The doctor said, just eat, eat frequently. No, every time I ate, it made me tired. So it made no sense. And it was counterintuitive. But back then I learned that I had to get out there and exercise. I learned that I had to not go on a diet, but I had to have a better relationship with food and with everyone in the house including my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, and a better relationship with myself. And when I learned that and I started changing one habit at a time, amazing things started to happen for me. And it was gradual, but I went through a transformation. And that's what motivated me to kind of get into what I, I do now. But I didn't know what I wanted to do until my senior year of college. I knew I wanted to be pre-med. I knew I wanted to help people. But I, I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a chiropractor. I had no idea. And then I took this great course in nutrition. And I said, that's it. It takes everything and puts it together. I've got the psychology, the behavior. You've got the biochemistry. You've got the pathophysiology. And it's all in there and habits and behavior. I just loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. But I just started. I'm still learning. I mean, that's the thing about nutrition. It's a very new science. And I, I went on to get my master's in clinical nutrition, but I wanted to learn how to get well. Like what, what's the idea? Not, not treating illness per se, but how do you thrive versus, you know, we talk about wellness, but doctors treat sickness. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't really treat wellness. They don't really, that, that's a relatively new term. Yeah. And when I was in the hospital teaching, or I was working in the hospital, I was treating chronic disease and critical disease. So I understood what was going on in the body from all three different perspectives. So I still felt like I didn't know. 
I, I still didn't have a handle. I'm like, I've got seven years of schooling. I'm out here doing this full time. Everyone's out there. They're writing books. They're saying, all you got to do is eat these three foods, or you just do this crazy exercise, or you just eliminate these, you know, you just go on a vegetarian diet or you got whatever it was. There's all these people, you take this supplement. And I always felt like there's some misinformation going on out there. So I've always been on the quest to say, what's the truth? And, and that's really what Pro Attitudes is all about now. When I first started my business out of, of um, when I got out of my master's program and I was still working in the hospital, it was called Appetite and Attitudes. Because I knew that there was a connection between what was going on up here and what was going on here. Now, I, I know it's all attitude. I mean, I, I, my, my main program right now is called Intentional Health, Nourishing Your Body, Mind, Spirit. But how do you lose weight with your mind, not your mouth? Mm-hmm. It's it's like going on a diet for your mind. You've got to change the way you think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I 100% like empathize with everything you just said, because uh, growing up, I, I honestly, I would say for the first 18, 19 years of my life, I didn't have a great relationship with, uh, with just food and, and just my, my body as a whole. Uh, you know, like I played sports growing up and, and I was always an active kid, but I was always like, I'm a big guy as it is. Like I'm, it's like six, three, I'm a, I'm a taller guy as it is, but I always carried a lot with me, you know? And that was always something about me that I was always very insecure about. Cause I was like, what is it about me specifically? Like I see other people, they seem to be healthy and, you know, they, they seem to fit the mold of what we typically societally speaking, typically view as a healthy individual. But for me, I didn't feel like I fit that to, to the right degree. And as I got older, you know, like, like you said, uh, I became more interested and and really started to focus on not just, you know, obviously, you know, you, you get general advice like, oh, you should exercise more, but kind of from the standpoint of, of overall wellness and nutrition. And something I've learned is like, I don't have a degree in well in, in wellness, nutrition, anything like that's not my field of expertise that I'm never going to pretend like it is. But I've learned, at least from my perspective, is that the kind of field of overall wellness and, and nutrition is something that anybody can understand the basic principles of and can learn the foundations of and apply to their life yet at the same time it's kind of like uh here's a, here's a weird it's kind of like a like a never-ending onion there's just like layers and layers and layers to it well you know i've i know i know personally like there's a lot more about my overall health and well-being that i know i understand better than whenever i was 16 17 18 years old but i would be lying if i said that there's still not things that i'll hear on a on a weekly basis and be like i never knew that that was a, a something you should do to improve your health or if you do things this way you should probably do it this way you know and and, and of course there's you you can find anybody to endorse any kind of activity or supplement or diet you know on the internet at at large um but it's it's really cool to see that there are it's 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 both simple and complex it's simple enough to where the advice and the the core tenets of what most people and you know urbanized western societies probably should do most people can understand that and apply that to their lives but at the same time it's com- incredibly complex to where you can never really know it all there's always something to learn always something you can probably modify something to test different combinations of diets and exercise routines and so on and so forth but i think it's really cool that um, that's just something that anybody can really approach. And so to me, that's why I think that 
people like you and people like what you do are incredibly important because once, in my opinion, once you've kind of opened the new, the personal nutrition box, it's hard to close it. You know, I know, I know for me, like I, but in a good way, like I know that growing up, like I said, I was very insecure about the way I felt. And I didn't, I didn't love uh, my overall health, but once I started to make some changes and see some improvements in my personal health, it wasn't something that I was like, okay, well, that was fun. I'm going to revert. I'm going to go back to doing to what I did before. I wanted to build upon that. I wanted to, you know, continue to learn and, and say, okay, I'm, I'm feeling better. My health is improving now that I've done a, instead of B, what happens if I, if I do this thing, what person can I learn from now? And I just think it's really cool and, and very helpful and interesting that we have uh, this field and people willing to break down the complexities of it. So people like me that don't have degrees in this field and aren't experts in it can learn learn about it and apply it to our lives, you know? Well, you have a great mindset for this. So you, it's an open mindset. You're, you've got a growth mindset and, and it's you're internally motivated, which it's nice to hear. Most people want to go on a diet for, um, let's say, a vacation or for the summer uh, they'll go on a diet because the doctor said, hey, if you don't lower your cholesterol or your blood pressure, you know, or what, just, you know, put the blank there, you're going to end up getting ill or more sick. So many people don't understand that it's not about going on or off. And it, it is this mindset. The biggest thing that I can leave with your audience is that if there was one thing that everyone should remove from their 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 life it's not a food it's a neg it's the negative self-talk mm -hmm. and it's that that inner critic that we have between our ears mm -hmm. that does more damage than anything and if we can quiet that inner critic and bring out that inner coach in us amazing things can happen and oh, yeah. that i think is most the most important component to wellness is understanding the psychological component. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, I think also too, to, to kind of add on to what you were saying, like, um, you know, I've, I've grown up and lived in an era where the internet has been around me ever since I was born. Like I was, I was born, born in 2000 and it's just been, it's been a part of my life ever since. And, you know, there's pros and cons to it, but one of the, one of the, the pillars of that, I guess I'll say is that we're all connected in so many different ways. Now we have access to, if you want to explore, you know, what this person's doing or that person's doing, like you can find that at the touch of a button. And something we see now a lot of times is, you know, there's the online fitness community and people sharing their tips on like what kind of fitness program they have or what kind of diet they're on. And there's some good and some bad as with everything. But a lot of times I think what we find is that there are some people, you know, maybe someone's a, a, a competitive bodybuilder, you know, they're wanting to be in be in the Olympia show one day, and they're going to be on a very, very, very strict diet, like they're just going to be eating, uh, you know, rice and chicken and, and broccoli, like that's, that's it, they're going to be eating that for 16 or 18 weeks straight. And for them, that may be what they need to do, because they're competing for something. Mm -hmm. But for 95% of the people that are never like me, that are never going to step on a, a, you know, a bodybuilding stage, or don't want to compete in it, that just want to be healthy. That's not sustainable, you can't eat 
such a restrictive diet for the rest of your life. And I think that a lot of times we are, we, we then see these examples online and think, Oh, that's the only way to get healthy. I just have to cut everything out of my, out of my diet, out of my life. I can never have an ounce of, of fun with my diet. I can never eat the things I want to eat at any point. I just have to eat the most bland and just these, these, these three or four things that I, you know, people tell me are good. And that's what I have to eat for the rest of my life. That's in my opinion, I think that's a very restrictive way of looking at it. And, you know, not that you should just be eating Pop-Tarts for every single meal, uh, but there's room for, for the vast majority of people. There's room to uh, have a, a nutrition plan, have a, a diet that, uh, yes, has things that you enjoy. Like if you if you like cookies, you can have cookies every now and then, but it doesn't have to be restricted to just boiled chicken and broccoli. You know, I think that's something that people miss a lot of times, you know. I think that the, you know, looking to the internet as a solution, mm -hmm. we all thought it was going to be a panacea, right? It was going to really solve the problem of it's at our fingertips. But the the real issue right now is that the information is not real. It's mm -hmm. been filtered. It's biased. It has uh, misinformation and it doesn't matter whether it's nutrition or it's politics, right? Um, and, and what happens now is that people are using it to prey on others to make money, mm -hmm. or it just happens to be that, uh, a company mm -hmm. or a pharmaceutical company is there pushing their product and there's no true checks and balances. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily there are people out there now, um, from different institutions across the world that are bringing science and their their actual their research to the masses instead of having to wait it used to be that we had to wait 10 years mm -hmm. seven to ten years for this stuff to come out and then it would be through the media but the media right now is not true journalism so it's biased and you'll get a slant and then the person reading it's not a scientist isn't it great that we can actually listen to David Eagleman or Andrew Huberman and hear from the horse's mouth that this is the research that they're doing mm -hmm. on um, neurobiology, and and he's interviewing other scientists that's giving them giving us specific information based on their latest research, cutting edge research on longevity, on uh, the telomeres and genetics, and um, on sleep, on um, the, the all the different studies that they're focusing on now. It's absolutely fascinating. And I'm a junkie, like I'm a nerd, a junkie nerd when it comes to this information. So I can sit there and listen to Andy Huberman for two or three <laughs> hours talking deeply about, you know, what what's evidence based, what's still not really understood. And that's the beauty of science. It's science is meant when you're a scientist, it's meant that you don't have the whole picture, mm -hmm. that there is going to be somebody coming along challenging it and that it's not like, oh, I know the answer. No, I know the answer for today. Mm -hmm. I have a piece of the puzzle. And I've always told my clients this, and, and I tell um, anybody that it's like I have pieces of the puzzle, and every piece of the puzzle that I get makes my 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 thought process clear. I understand more, but there are millions of pieces that we still don't know. So mm -hmm. some of it just has to be, it has to be decided based on logic, based on past information, and then 
you 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 need to make sure though that it is based in science. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Some people will fill in the spaces, and it's not fair to say, oh, you should take this supplement or you know, this is the food that you should eliminate because it's filled with this, this, and this, and it's, that's going to cause inflammation. And that's going to cause, I'm not going to tell you that there is one diet for everybody, but mm-hmm. I will tell you that there are basic principles that exist just like gravity. Mm-hmm. Gravity exists, right? It doesn't care whether you know it exists <laughs> or not. You jump out the window on the ninth floor, you're going to hit the ground and go splat. Right. <laughs> but, so it, it behooves us to understand the principles so that we don't hurt ourselves. Mm-hmm. Likewise, you can take the elevator, works with gravity, but somebody spent an awful lot of money building that machine. And all you have to do is press the button. And if you're distracted by being on your cell phone, you might be looking at your phone while you get to the floor before you know it, you're back where you started. Yeah. I am more of the approach of the stairs approach. It's a lot of work to, to let's say you're on the ninth floor to, to actually walk down nine flights, mm-hmm. but you do it one step at a time. You get mm-hmm. to the landing, you assess where you were, you look at where you want to go, and you just keep moving. You don't stay yeah. stuck. Uh, and that's the approach that I take with nutrition and with my clients, that it's one choice at a time, one step at a time. There are no magic bullets. I don't have crash diets, which would be jumping out the window. Yeah. I don't like the ones where it's like effortless. Look, you'll do everything for you because it, then there's no ownership. When mm-hmm. you walk down nine flights, you own it. You earned mm-hmm. it. You're going to keep it. And mm-hmm. that to me is the best approach to health and wellness. Yeah. And that's a great seg- segue because I, I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, I, I like that illustration you just painted there. And that's something I, I want to ask you about. I think that um, kind of in tandem with what we've been talking about, you know, in regards to the the online health and wellness space and and just the the way that we interact with that, something I've noticed, and you just mentioned it, is is the the kind of prevalence of crash diets or you know uh, 30-day diet challenges or exercise challenges, or you know, do cut out this thing for X number of days and you'll you'll lose this many pounds, or you'll feel this much better by the end of this. And I see that a lot of times and, and I've even like, I'd, I'd be lying if I said that I've never, you know, fallen victim to that before, but uh, so, I so see that. I, yeah. So I. Yeah. I it mean, ha- it's pretty enticing, isn't it? It's very, very yeah. intoxicating to think, wow, if I just gave up, yeah. If I gave up carbohydrates for right. Or I just ate meat now, mm-hmm. I, and I, I'm going to tell you, I've tried all the different programs out there. There's a value to trying these things, but the Mm -hmm. problem is it's not, like you said, it's not sustainable and you can learn something from it. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the fun part of it. But when people take it for science Mm -hmm. say, you know, I I just saw the cabbage soup diet came back. I mean, you're too young to know. (laughs) Right. So back in the fifties, I think it started, might even be older than that. The cabbage soup diet was a diet that women would go on that. Um, they would just eat cabbage soup for several days and they would lose several pounds so they could look great. A, a cabbage soup is really healthy, but it's not sustainable. And it's something that I just saw on Facebook, somebody showing a cabbage soup diet and making this incredible cabbage soup. What about making cabbage soup as a part of a healthy like meal plan, like saying, mm-hmm. hey, why don't we include this? Why don't we focus on what you can include instead of what you can't include? Mm-hmm. Think about how less boring it would be to say, oh, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. Say, well, what can you eat? Let's let's increase the number of food choices. Let's mm-hmm. find 
more colorful foods to eat. Let's find different ways to prepare it that taste great because mm-hmm. pleasure is really important to humans. Yeah. So got to really make sure we enjoy what we eat. Yeah. Uh, there's so many different ways to look at it. And that's my approach is to really teach people to have that new relationship with food. Yeah. And, you know, kind of building upon that, obviously, like allergies aside, like if you're allergic to something, like obviously, I'm not suggesting you eat something you're definitely allergic to, or if you simply just cannot, you know, stomach the idea of eating something like I'm not gonna, you know, not suggesting you eat these things, but I, something I've learned and, and you know, I'll take it with a grain of salt, like I am not a picky eater at all. But I really believe like you can make delicious meals that are generally healthy, like, you know, that that follow very simple tenets to uh, overall health, you know, health and, and well-being. I, th- I think a lot of times people have this idea that if you want to eat a healthy meal, it has to just be like, uh, you know, like you said, cabbage soup. It's just like, OK, well, it might be good one night, but I got to eat it for, you know, seven months straight. Like, no, like have it if you want it. But there, if you learn a little bit about, you know, cooking and, and the foundations of that and, and the way that, uh, you know, different ways food is prepared around the world, you can learn pretty quickly that there's a very, there's, there's many, many ways to make things exactly. that you might think are not traditionally tasty or, or delicious, very tasty and delicious, you know, and, and it's, it's and, it, and I want to, anybody who's listening wants to enjoy some new recipes. I'd be happy to share my recipes with them. I love to cook. Mm-hmm. I also worked with lots of country clubs and restaurants in my day where I would go in and I would do cooking just like that. I'd taken courses at the Culinary Institute of America so that I could be understanding the science of food as well as the science of taste and, and making sure things taste delicious. Um, I have a recipe that I can I can send them my recipes. Mm-hmm. They just have to get me their email. And my email is evan at proattitudes.com. And just send me your email saying you're looking for recipes. And I'll put you in my nurture and just let you have my recipes. Every month, you'll get a new one. And they're really incredible, delicious recipes that are not just healthy food. Yeah, right? They just have to taste great. That's the first thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that like what's, you know, if, if you're listening, uh, he when he said healthy food, he did the air quotes. And I think that that kind of it's almost a stigma to some to some degree, like people view at least I know, like growing up a lot of times, like if uh, if there's there's healthy options on a menu or like someone was making a healthy food, a lot of times people, people would view it as like. Like, oh, you're making this kind of like, you know, dumbed down version of something, you know, like, you know, what we really want to eat, but we're making this kind of, uh, you know, this version that we can tolerate, but it's not really anything we want. But again, I know that we all like different people have different allergies and we all approach food in a different way. But I really honestly believe there's a way to make virtually anything tasty, assuming it's edible and it's it's safe for consumption and you don't have an allergy for it. People have eaten foods for thousands and thousands of years, and we wouldn't be eating. Yeah. Since the beginning of time. Yeah. That's the thing that I like to look at is to understand that we're animals first, right? So what did we evolve with? What we evolved with is what's going to provide us with the best nutrition. It's just like a plant. Um, I always like to say it's best to put a five cent plant in a $5 hole. I'm a gardener. And it's the same with humans. What does that mean? It means you need to make sure that whatever that plant needs, it's going to get that that soil, the water, um, if nutrients, that that it's getting the sunlight. It has to be, you can't just dig a little hole and stick something in. You have to prepare that soil. Well, it's the same with the human body is there are 
certain things that we do need. We need water. We need protein, carbohydrates, and fats, but we don't really need a lot of carbohydrates the way people are eating today. We don't need processed foods, but okay, processed foods taste great. Everybody loves processed foods, but we've gotten to a point now where we're just eating way too much processed foods. And when you look at society and go that 71% of Americans, at least, are either overweight or obese, over 51% of American, Americans are either pre-diabetic or have diabetes, and half the ones that have diabetes don't even know it. We have an epidemic that the guidelines that are being shared by our governments are either not working or are flawed or both. So I'm not saying that they're I'm not saying they're completely wrong, right? I, I used to say nobody eats from a food pyramid. Remember the food pyramid? I do remember the food pyramid. And if, okay. if I remember um whenever because I remember I most most I remember it the most from like middle school. And I remember correct me if I'm wrong, I think at the bottom was like breads and grains and pastas. Like I feel like that was what was at the Don't bottom. Don't even of go there. Yeah, that, like that's that, not, yes. <laughs> Let's look at it. Nobody eats from a, a pyramid, right? So yeah. I created over 30 years ago, I created a method of eating cold rounding your plate. Now, here's my book, The Habits of Healthy Eating. People can get this on Amazon if they want to, but I teach what the rounding the plate method is. Now, there is a rounding method that the USDA is using, but I've been teaching it well before they presented it because who's going to eat from a pyramid? Nobody. Mm -hmm. We eat from a plate. Well, what do you want to put on your plate? Map out your plate. Fill half your plate with vegetables and half your plate with protein. If you have a lot of activity in the day and you're an athlete, you can add a significant amount more carbohydrates than somebody who's inactive, but most Americans are inactive. And nutrition doesn't play a role to have an impact on people if you don't take care of the behaviors. That's why I work on mindset, because just for instance, one of the, the biggest foundations of health, that if you do not have it, nothing, well, I, I'm, you're still, you're going to have a major impact on your health is sleep. Mm -hmm. Most Americans are sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. Most how many hours of sleep do you get a night? Uh, typically seven and a half to eight. Uh, right. and, and it's funny. I, I'm glad you mentioned this. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I literally, I've, I, I'm moving uh, to a new apartment soon. And I've been packing up books and I have his book in a box right over here to my left. Um, he was he was a scientist. I forget his name. Uh, Matthew Walker. You know, you know Matthew. Yes. yes. Why we sleep? Yes, yes. That book. I I heard about him and was really interested in the way he presented. Like, you know, growing up, I knew that sleep was important, but I knew it was important because I was tired, and when I woke up, I wasn't tired anymore. Uh, that was about, that was about it. And hearing him talk about all the different intricacies of it and the way it plays. Um, it, it really affects our lives was incredibly interesting to me. And, and yeah, like it's, it plays a huge role that I don't think is really talked about that much in the kind of public sphere. It's a chronic epidemic. Sleep deprivation is killing the world. And if you take a look at the amount of hours of sleep that we had, let's say we started at nine, eight and a half to nine hours back in the beginning of the, the 19th century or in, even by like the 1920s, 30s, and we look at it going down, mm -hmm. guess what goes up? Pretty obesity. much every, yeah, every, every, kind every of, health condition, yeah. obesity. Yeah. Now I'm not going to tell you cause and effect, right? It's, it's, it's an epidemiological 
Um, and we don't know it's never cause and effect from that perspective, but it's something to consider. I always wondered why there is so much obesity in this world. And yeah, we can talk about being inactive. We can talk, there are so many contributing factors, but we're eating too much processed foods. We are inactive, but we're also not getting enough sleep. And when you don't get enough sleep, if you sleep less than seven hours per evening, your insulin resistance goes up. Your insulin sensitivity at the cell receptor goes down. Um, you're ending up with major problems with your ghrelin and your leptin, which are appetite suppressants and regulators, neuromodulators. You have certain situations where they've done studies to show that people who are sleep deprived are going to eat hundreds, if not thousands of more calories in a week that will equate at the end of a year, 10 to 15 extra pounds of fat at the end of a year. Well, if you add that up times 10 years, that's a hundred to 150 pounds. Yeah. It, it's just one contributing factor. The other thing is, you know, you think about sleep, it affects your hypertension because it affects our ability to recover. Sleep is so much more important than what people think. It's not inactivity. We're actually going through a recycling and a, a wash and rinse and cleanse cycle mm -hmm. in our brains and in our bodies. And if you, and it's called autophagy. And if we don't actually allow all the cycles of sleep, we are going to end up sick. And it doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter what supplement you take. It doesn't matter what kind of water you drink. If you don't have the sleep and what it, people wear is a badge of honor. Oh, I only sleep, you know, four or five hours. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going up early and I'm going to bed late. Yeah. Because that's what happens as we get older. We have more responsibility, but it's actually, we need more sleep. Mm -hmm. And this is a major challenge, especially even for my clients. They don't necessarily come to me for sleep, but I will identify that they've got major sleep issues that I can't solve the problems that they have if they don't address the sleep issues first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, obviously I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm not an expert, but from what I've, I've understood, and you know, the way I understand it is, um, in my opinion, there's, there are some things that are good to prioritize with your health and some things that like, are good, but you can, they're not like the core foundations of our health. It, from what I understand, like sleep is something that you can be working out on a daily basis. You can be, you know, uh, crossing your T's and dotting your I's with your, with your diet and great relationship with your family and, and every, you know, everything's going well. But if you're, if your sleep is, you know, sub five hours on a routine basis, you're sub really, seven hours. Yeah. Yeah. Sub yeah. Seven hours. How many Americans get less? And last night, unfortunately, I didn't get enough sleep. Yeah. I, and it wasn't intentional, but it happened because I, I get up at a certain time mm -hmm. in the morning, but I ended up that I had to go to bed late and I can feel the difference. But I know that if I did this, if a normal, healthy person does uh, get up every night, I mean, every morning with only six hours, seven, less than seven hours of sleep. And they had normal health by the end of the week, they will have the same conditions as somebody who's pre-diabetic. Yeah. That's how bad it is. Yeah. But there are so many other factors that play a role. The bottom line here is what, what's good is, is that we can change. We mm -hmm. can start looking at things in life and go, well, why am I working so hard? Why am I working such long hours? Um, why is it that I can't quiet my mind? 
all of these are important and they're more the underlying issues that I love to deal with. Whereas nutrition is great. Nutrition is to me, the surface issue though. You know, what, what motivates people to eat? How many people are eating mindlessly? And I come from a, a, what I would call a disordered eating background. So I understand the idea of eating and just eating and eating and finishing the plate or binging on something that is more norm now than it used to be. And part of the problem is that people are not doing anything about it. We're not helping the people out there to change anything. The guidelines are not out there telling our kids. I mean, what do we do to kids? Kids need 12 hours of sleep, right? Mm -hmm. As they're growing, we're telling them to get up earlier to go to school, right? And so what is that doing to their learning? When you don't sleep the full eight hours, you can't process your memories. Mm-hmm. So you don't remember as much. So all of this is going to have an impact. It has an impact on weight loss. When you lo- trying to lose weight and you don't sleep enough, set up to 70% of the weight loss is coming from muscle instead of body fat. Mm-hmm. Th- this, is, this is the kind of stuff that people don't, that's what I love about the researchers that are out there. They're giving us this information. It is an, uh, I would call a renaissance right now of information coming to us and uh, of what's going on with our bodies. And we're learning so much. And right now, the greatest frontier is right up here, the brain. It's absolutely amazing what's going on. And I think that we're going to have a lot more answers in the next five to 10 years that are going to turn back the clock on our chronic illnesses, as well as allowing us to live longer, healthier, because it's not about living longer, Mm -hmm. right? It's about living to be 80, 90, 100 years old with the freedom to be able to go play with your grandkids mm-hmm. or great grandkids by then or travel, yeah. um, garden, play a sport, or just be mobile. Uh, and, you know, you don't think about that at your age, but, and I didn't think about it at my, when I was your age either, but I had family members who were dying from heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. And that had a major impact on me. Cause I said, I don't want to end up that way. And sure enough, my father died of three primary cancers. My mother had dementia. My sister is chronically ill and very ill for most of her life. My brother has diabetes where he's lost a toe. So I'm the only healthy one in the family, knock on wood. <laughs> I plan on keeping it that way. But I saw it way back when I was like a teenager mm-hmm. that the writing was on the wall there that if I didn't take charge, nobody else was going to. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, you, uh, you, you know, when you were kind of towards the beginning there, you had talked about, uh, you know, kind of like our minds being the next nutritional frontier. Um, and I think it's really cool. I, w- I would agree because um, so much of the way we approach, in my opinion, so much of the way we approach our well-being, our diets, our sleep, fill in the blank, has to do with the way we view it, the way we perceive it, uh, and and our relationship to it. And I, I truly believe um, you know, each person's health situation is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's, there's never going to be a, a perfect mold that works for every single person, but I think something at least, um, you know, speaking of like, uh, you know, Western countries, United States specifically, obviously a huge issue for us is the, is our relationship to these things is our relationship to, uh, to the foods we eat and the, and the, the jobs we have and, and our sleep cycles, like you said, it's almost a badge of honor for some people to be like, yeah, I only sleep four, sometimes three hours. Like I, you know, I'm tired sometimes, but I don't, I don't really need it. And, 
Um, I, for one, I just don't buy that personally. Um, <laughs> but, um, it's th- that's not the way we should view it. And I, I want to ask you, in your experience, you know, just in your own personal life and with your clients, what are some practical ways that you've seen people have been able to improve their relationships with, say, food or the or their sleep or their, uh, you know, their lack of an exercise program, whatever it is? Because I think that is a big turning point. It's not necessarily finding, you know, that key food that's going to change your life or, or just getting eight hours of sleep a night. It's, it's going to be changing the way you view these issues and view these pillars of your, of your life. And so in your experience, what have you seen, uh, as, as a practical way people can begin to change these, their relationship with these parts of their lives? It's a, uh, I can unpack that. It's a lot, but Here's the thing that I like to tell people. We're all in a car driving toward the edge of a cliff and we're all going to go over the cliff. Mm-hmm. We're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Some people though are hundred feet from the cliff and some people are a mile. Mm-hmm. What I want them to do is to stop, take the foot off the gas and start enjoying the journey. And regardless of how long it is and whatever we can do to stop the process, let's do it. Now, just because I say, you know, diets don't work or that, you know, it, it's behavior, there are plenty of supplements. There are medicines out there that do benefit us. But what I look at is it starts with behavior first. After behavior comes nutrition. After nutrition, then we look at supplements. After supplements, then we look at medicine. Mm-hmm. How many times do you go to a doctor and the doctor hears, you know, you've got a headache, he gives you medicine, or you've got um, high blood sugar, he goes immediately to the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't start with behavior. And they also don't think people are going to change. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be in business if people didn't change. So mm-hmm. what do I do with people? It's a really easy thing to do. I show people the wall that's in front of them. There's a wall, and that wall is keeping them stuck. And what I do is I break that wall into very simple, easy steps so they can actually climb over it. Mm -hmm. It's a mindset first to be able to say, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm in chronic pain. Um, I'm overweight. I'm afraid to fall. And I can't go to the gym because I'm embarrassed by what I look like. And I'm, I'm at work, but I'm constantly falling asleep on Zoom calls. My doctor told me I have to control my blood pressure and my blood sugar. I don't know what to do. And they are not going to say any of that to me Mm -hmm. because it's something so personal and so um, visceral that if they did, they would, and we have to peel back the layers, but there is a level of, of fear and being totally hopeless that that is really where people will end up coming to me. And I give them hope. I am, you know, when, when you look at 600,000 people dying from heart disease every year, it's the number one killer. What do you think the first symptom is for half of those people who die? Their first symptom. Uh, I feel like it's, it's not, I don't know, in my head, I've, I'm, I'm thinking of answers, but I feel like the way you're asking this, it's not what I, what I probably think it is. I'm, I'm really not sure. Sudden death. Well, they don't okay, get a yeah. second chance. Yeah. So think about that. Like that's what I do. I give people second chances. So I sit down first of all, and we have to become aware. It's an awareness um, 
really um, exercise of going through my lifestyle challenge assessment, which shows it's very simple. It's like 10, 15 minutes that they go through answering questions and it helps them to pinpoint in six key areas of their life where they're having the challenges. So they don't even have to think about it. It's right there. Just answer the questions and all of a sudden it just bubbles to the top. Mm -hmm. And all we have to do is to focus on those top three to five that are in there. Mm -hmm. That's first. Now, once we identify that, then we have to start reprogramming the neural pathways in the brain. So then it's a matter of creating intention. What's their why? What are they? Why did they come to me to begin with? But we need to connect. Like you said, you decided you wanted to get well for a reason. It's not because you just, you know, you wanted to have a six pack, although that doesn't hurt, right? But they, you internally were motivated, not externally motivated. It's not like, oh, I, I need to lose weight to get married or to go on vacation or, right? You're, you're doing it because it was important to you. So we've got to connect to their why. Um, you want to think of it, I'm the Simon Sinek of nutrition, mm-hmm. but I was doing it way before he was connecting people to their whys when it comes to nutrition. Once we have that, then what we do is we fill in the gaps. There's gaps that exist. They're staying put, they're stuck because they're afraid. We have to get them to push past the fear zone into what I call the learning zone. And that means there are things that they don't know what to do. There are things that they don't know how to do it. And there are times that they haven't connected to why they need to do these things. Once we do that, they start to feel capable. Mm-hmm. They feel they get the courage to move forward and make commitments and keep them. And I keep the commitments really, really small. And those small commitments make a huge difference because when they make the commitment and keep it, how do you feel when you make a commitment and keep it? Feels great. I mean, yeah. especially if it's if it's too as, as silly as it sounds, especially if it's to myself. Uh, you know, if I'm like, okay, I want to change this thing or I want to accomplish this thing, and you end up doing it, it's it's great. You know, you get more confidence, mm-hmm. and then with that confidence, you now I I then push the bar a little bit farther with them. I say, okay, let's work outside the comfort zone. They push forward through the fear with courage. They get capable. They feel more confident. And the cycle continues. And what will end up happening is that we end up then moving into the growth zone. That's where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. And that's where mastery has to happen. So first you have the what to do, which is the behavior, the how to do it, which is the technique, and the why to do it, which is your attitude. We put the three of those where the three of those intersect is success. And then we celebrate. You got to celebrate along the way to get the the brain. You got the dopamine doses. Mm -hmm. And to create new neural pathways, we must create a way to hack that brain to say, here is the new way we're going to do things. And it's it's a lot of fun to help people to get to that point, to see that. Um, But I, I just, I love being able to help people change. Especially because I didn't have these tools when I was younger. I just, I got lucky. Uh, But be able to change for good, to not have to worry about your blood sugars or being overweight or having high blood, uh, blood cholesterol or hypertension or knowing that you're doing what you can to be in charge. It's, it's empowering. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would agree. I think that something, something that's incredibly empowering, I know it was for me. uh, And and again, not that I have it all figured out or anything, but I think once you truly come to the realization and acceptance of the fact that you do have some control, like you have a a large amount of control in your own health and, 
uh, not in a, like in, in a way that, uh, allows you to actually do something about it. You know, you were talking about, uh, you know, oftentimes patients relationships with their doctors. And, um, I, I think oftentimes for people, it can be, they view their, whatever, uh, health predicament they may find they're in or whatever, uh, health situation they find themselves in. They feel like there is absolutely nothing they can do. And like, in some cases there are, like, if you need some kind of surgery, like you, you have to go to an expert and they have to perform the surgery or if it's an extremely, uh, you know, intense kind of genetic disorder or something like that. Like, obviously there are exceptions to the rule, but I, I really believe in, you know, kind of what you were saying is that once you realize that, yes, doctors and medications and, and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the sickness side of things, not just the wellness, but like both sides of this coin, they're all important, but also the fact that you do have some control. Once you realize that there are things you can do, it's not totally out of your control to improve your health. That confidence, that understanding allows, at least I know for me, it gave me so much relief off my shoulders because like I said, growing up, I just had this idea. I was like, well, there's, there's healthy people and there's not healthy people. And some people are dealt a good hand and some people aren't. And that's just kind of the reality. But some people who are not, who are healthy get sick too. So I look at everything as a gift or an opportunity because I, you know, I have that in my, my family history, Mm -hmm. the chances of me getting diabetes cancer, heart disease are very high, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that I can't take charge of the things that I can take control of or the things that I focus on, what you focus on will expand. And that's really that circle of control Mm -hmm. is in that center, that core of the things, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, right? All of those things are within your control, Mm -hmm. but there is a circle outside of that's called your circle of influence. That circle of influence doesn't mean that it's going to be relevant to the choices you make, but it can influence you. Mm -hmm. And so if you're surrounding yourself with people who drink all the time, who eat processed foods and are overweight and don't take any responsibility for what they do in life, they're going to influence you. And it's a lot. I always say to people, you're the, it's best to surround yourself with by people who you want to be like, mm-hmm. right? So that's going to help elevate you. It's there's mere neurons out there so that when you're with somebody who's got a smile on his face, like you do always, <laughs> right? Everyone always says, I always got a smile on my face. I'm like, that's just the way I am. You know, I, used to, I cultivate optimism. Um, and you also know there's that sourpuss out there who's always got the frown, who's always Deb or Debbie Downer or whatever it is out there. But those people can change. That's their neural pathways. They surrounded themselves or they were raised by families that instilled this in them with belief systems. Those belief systems are those neural pathways. We can change them. And that's with a reframe. How do you reframe? It's simply taking something that's there, that's connected to behavior, understanding what the the thoughts and feelings are that are associated with that behavior. And then connect it to the belief system and then reframe it yeah. and program that in back into the brain a different way of looking at it differently. That actually works. And it's an, it's an amazing process of watching people reframe mm-hmm. over a period of time because they do become the person they want to be. I love it. I love it. That's great. 
Um, before we kind of, so I'm just keeping track of time over here and we are uh, beginning to approach an hour. So I do want to, I want to take up too much. Are we time. really? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the time thing and it's a half an hour. I know it's, it's funny. It's cool. Well, listen, I'm having a great time. So time flies when you're, when you're having fun as the old saying goes, but something I do want to ask you about, uh, and I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation is, uh, like you said, you've been working in this field for a long time. And even before you officially worked in it, like you uh, had your own personal experience in this field. What is something you personally, or can you think of anything you personally that maybe you used to subscribe to and now, you know, given time and experience, you no longer subscribe, not, not like a magazine or something, but like a, a way of thinking or, or a specific kind of, uh, you know, uh, diet plan or, or nutrition plan or anything in this space. What's something you used to, uh, subscribe to or, or really wholeheartedly believe in? And now maybe not so much now that you have a different perspective or different experience, uh, on that particular, uh, area. That's a good question. And I will say that the one thing that I did not know about when I was younger in school or what, whatever, and again, doctors used to teach this to eat frequently, to feed your body frequently. I have, um, really embraced the concept of time-restricted eating. Mm -hmm. Other people call it intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. but I have found that it has created such clarity. Uh, my, I think clear, my energy level is just amazingly through the roof now. And I am more of a proponent for me, for my body type and what I do to be lower carb. Mm -hmm. I used to eat a lot of, I was vegetarian, I was macrobiotic, I tried everything. Mm -hmm. um, but every person's different. I do much better on a lower carbohydrate diet. And what I found is that with every person that I work with, there are basic principles that I'm gonna work with, right? With them, the I will say that some people though need more carbs and some people need less. And for me specifically, I thrive on less carbs and that's what I've changed. Um, there are so many other little nuances to to what I do, and and water is such a big proponent. I I still I drank a lot of water, but until I started to get a bottle like this mm -hmm. and fill it up and force myself to drink two of these a day, wow, I, it's amazing what being properly hydrated will do. There are so many times when I want to eat something, I think I'm hungry, mm -hmm. and if I take six to eight sips of water first, mm -hmm. I'm like. I'm not hungry. I was thirsty. Mm -hmm. And that can happen an awful lot to people out there. So those are two things right there. And then an, one other big important thing, I spent so many years training, working out since I'm 11. I was running since I'm 11 and working with weights and training. I was, I'm a personal trainer. I was for many years. I don't do it now, but I help people with exercise. Mm -hmm. 10 minutes is an, it, it, I, you know, people think they have to go to the gym for an hour. I will tell you that I start people on five to 10 minutes of exercise only, mm -hmm. only. Yeah. And usually it might even be less than that because if they can't give me five minutes, then they're in trouble. But um, it's, I am in better shape with a 10 minute high intensity interval training workout than I was when I did an hour and a half of the gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's uh, I'm 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 uh, glad you brought that up real quick. To, uh, something that uh, I have found in my own life, it's amazing how uh, like I love going to the gym and I, I work out pretty much every day, uh, usually for around an hour or so. But even at, like aside from that, um, I found that 
you don't have to do that. Like if you, if you want to do that, like I, I, I love going to the gym. I enjoy it. And it's something that like, I just, I would do even nice. if it, you know, it, you know, if it wasn't, uh, I would do it regardless, basically. But something I have, I've found to your point is I work in my day job. I, I work an office job and I'm, uh, I'm sitting a lot. Uh, and I try to, I try my best to fit in as much, you know, not just sitting down all day and kind of standing up and being active and, and moving around as much as I can. But sometimes there's times where you have to sit down and do something for a while and that you just simply have to be there. Mm-hmm. Something I started doing was I haven't, I usually have an hour lunch break. If it's nice outside or uh, we live at, we, we live, we work in a building that has uh, some space and different floors is just going for a walk. Sometimes I'll, I'll read a book. And it's nothing super strenuous. I'll usually go for about 30 minutes and just walk around, just feel the sunshine. I may read a book while I'm walking. And it's not like I'm out of breath at the end of it. I'm not sprinting or anything. It's purely just a walk. And I have been amazed at how when I when I started doing that just to see what would change, uh, it wasn't like some major change happened to me, but I felt so much better that the end, you know, the rest of the day, it felt great to have dedicated time in the middle of the day to break up some of the the monotony to kind of get out there and be on my feet a little bit. And that had such a huge impact for me. And again, it's not like it's three and a half hours of dedicated hard work. It was just 30 minutes for me because that's all it's, well, that's some time I have. And it, it 10 really minutes is difference. 10 minutes is not enough exercise or activity for anybody. Yeah. But what I, I've had a lifetime of exercise where now I can maintain. I used to mm-hmm. think I had to do an hour, an hour and a half to maintain. But the other thing is People are not active enough. So you bring up a good point. Another thing that I've changed is taking the breaks mm-hmm. every 90 minutes. We, you know, focus can't happen for longer than 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. You need breaks. You need to give your brain a a, 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 a a reset. And usually it's 60 to 90 minutes is the maximum. And there should only be one area that's intense focus and the other several sessions that you might have don't necessarily have to be as intense. And I tell people to do that earlier in the morning because that's when their their brains are better suited for that intense bout of uh, activity and, and really creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many great things that you can apply in life. The beauty of this is too, that I'm constantly learning and applying and helping my clients change even more. And we're still learning. That's the beauty of um, of science. Mm-hmm. Every time a study's done, we learn something new. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I agree. Um, well, Evan, first off, I want to just thank you very much for taking some time to chat with me today. It's been a uh, I love just this topic because there's like you said, there's always something to learn, and uh, there's some things that I've come to learn in my own experience. But there's uh, people like you that know much more than I do, and it's always just a lot of fun to have these conversations. So I appreciate you making some time to chat with me. Uh, and, and have this conversation with me. Before we finish, uh, I have one last thing I want to do real quick. Uh, as a tradition for the show, a kind of ending segment I like to do is, is a little fun segment here at the end, totally unrelated to everything we've been talking about, but I like to finish each, ep- ep- each episode off with a quick se- uh, segment called 15 Quick Questions. So uh-huh. if you if you don't mind, I want to ask you 15 quick questions. These are this or that questions, so it'll be A or B, hot or cold, and I just want to see what your thoughts are uh, here at the end of the episode, if that's all right with you. That's fine. And just if anybody wants to follow me in the chat, I'll put my, um, it's my link tree. So go ahead. I I don't know what these questions are going to be. No, they'll be great. Uh, All right. First question, beach vacation or mountain vacation? Beach. My (laughs) wife wants the mountains. She keeps asking me that. Just like, 
where do you want it next vacation? And I keep saying beach. And she's like, no. <laughs> There's got to be a compromise somewhere in there. I know. Uh, all right. Which do you prefer, hot coffee or iced coffee? Oh, hot coffee. I'm, a, I'm wow. the same way. Yes. Um, all right. Which do you prefer, summer, fall, winter, or spring? Hmm. Wow. Um, it's a toss up between spring and summer. So you're a, you're a warmer, warmer season kind of guy. I, I like the change. Yeah. I like the change. I don't want it to be the same only. Right? Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. So this is uh, a little bit on brand. What do you prefer? Sweet or savory food? All, all, all health implications aside, just, savory. you know, I'm, no, I'm definitely savory. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, all right. In your opinion, are Crocs fashionable? No. <laughs> no, a hard, a hard no on that one. A very quick no. All right. Uh, My wife's a podiatrist, so not good PP. <laughs> um, all right. Do you believe pineapple belongs on pizza? Yes or no? I've never had pineapple on pizza, so really? I can't you. never. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, let me be the first to suggest it to you. I'm a big. If you're ever, if you're ever in the mood for pizza, I'm a big pineapple on pizza fan. I don't get it all the time, but too I many love carbs. Sorry, too many carbs. Love it. If I'd rather good. have um, chicken and tomato, onion, and uh, some balsamic glaze, yeah. fresh mozzarella. That's my favorite kind of pizza. Well, let's listen. If you ever, if you ever find yourself encountering some pineapple pizza, I would love to. I want to know your thoughts, but I, I, I do love that as well. So, all right. So, which do you prefer, sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Nice. I love them both, but I yeah. love sunsets. Me too. Um, which do you prefer, guacamole or salsa? Oh God! <laughs> you know, if it's a really good salsa, it's it'll. It kills every time because you can only eat so much guacamole. But That's I sure salsa until you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I love I love them both. Yeah, they're two heavy hitters. Yes. Uh, all right. Which do you prefer, card game or a board game? Um, I, I'm gonna have to say board game because we've been Big playing board. a lot of a board game lately. We enjoy that, but I like card games too. But board game. Do you mind if I ask which board game? I'm also a big board game fan. Do you mind if I ask which one you've been playing? What's it called? Rubicon or Ruby? It's with those little Ruby Cube. Ruby Cube. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, I know. What you, yes, I know mm -hmm. what you're talking about. Yeah, I am a I'm a big board game guy. I'm a I'm a huge huge Monopoly and Catan fan. I'm, I'm Catan, sure Monopoly, I haven't yes. played it yet. My son has, and I'm like, one yeah. of these days we're gonna play it. Yeah, I was just packing them up a little bit earlier, and they're sitting over here next to me. So I love them. All right. Um, which do you prefer, crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut? Crunchy, big crunchy. me too. Yeah. Big crunchy fan. Um, <laughs> all right. Would you rather read the book or see the movie? Book, book. Nice. Uh, who, in your opinion, wins in a dance battle, The Rock or Kevin Hart? <laughs> oh wow, that's funny. I bet it's Kevin Hart. I feel like I feel like he would too. He seems more yeah. a little bit more agile, you know. Yeah. Rock's a little stiff. Yeah, yeah. It's working out. Yeah. All right. Last three questions here. Which do you prefer, the 70s, 80s, or 90s? Oh, man. They all have their benefit. I'm always <laughs> the one that doesn't have, like, I, I look at things differently. So um, I, I'll have to say the 90s. Nice. I nice. really love the 70s. Yeah. 80s I could have done without. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't around for any of them, so I can't speak from experience. But I always have a, a soft spot for the '70s for whatever reason. So, uh, all right, of the kind of final four uh, uh, holidays in the year, which do you prefer: Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or New Year's? Thanksgiving. 
Thanksgiving. I'm big Thanksgiving. I'm the chief gratitude officer. Come on. (laughs) Um, All right. And final question. I ask everybody this question. So I'm I'm curious to hear your answer. You seem like a very uh, analytical guy, very, you know, a a thought provoking guy. So I want to hear your thoughts on this one as well. Would you rather fight a hundred duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? Obviously, hypothetically speaking. Uh, But if you were in this situation, which would you rather be in? For those that are listening, he is he's deep in thought at this moment. <laughs> well, horse-sized duck. That could be dangerous. It could swallow me whole. It's a no, big, that's I, a would big duck. The, I would deal with the small, yeah. The okay, small, so so the, what's your what's your what's your thinking here with the small horses? Like why why that why that I answer? just climb a tree. <laughs> climb a tree. I love it. I love yeah. it. That's awesome. All right. Well, that is all the questions I got for you. Thank you for playing along there. Before we finish, I know you sent me, you just sent me a link here. I will include that in the description. Do you have any other links? Or, I know you're on LinkedIn as well. So I'll put that down in the description for this episode. Do you have Every, any everything's, other? Everything's in that link. Yeah. Um, also a complimentary, that lifestyle challenge assessment for people mm-hmm. that are interested. It's it's there. There's a link for it there. Um, and if they want to set up a free consultation with me too, there's a 15 minute, I, I offer complimentary consultation with anybody if they'd like to ask some questions they won't you know that's what i'm here for okay, and cool. i have a my free training my what's called escaping the diet trap anybody who wants that i can also put that right now in the chat that's um where did you go there you are let me go to chat It was already open, don't you like? <laughs> okay, control V. There you go. Great. Awesome. And people can just click on that and uh that sweet. will get them a lot of information. Okay, sweet. Yeah, well, I will include that uh both of these links down in the description. So yeah, if you're listening, watching anything, if you want to uh check out these links, get in contact with Evan, uh, that will all be down there. Um, but yeah, with all that out of the way, Evan, thank you very much for making some time to chat with me. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Um, and thank yeah, you. just thank you very much. It's been Good awesome with everything. So pleasure. Yeah, of course. And to everyone listening, thank you for uh tuning in as always. Like I said, if you'd like to check out any of the links in the description, those will be down there. If you'd like to contact me, follow me on any social media, all that will be down there. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to and supporting the show, and I'll catch you all in another episode. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. As one final reminder, if you'd like to support the show, then don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to check out any links that were mentioned during the show or follow the show or myself on social media, then feel free to head to the description of today's episode to find these links. As always, thank you again for checking out today's episode, and I really hope you enjoyed it. I will catch you all on the next episode of the podcast. See ya.